Welcome to Illuminate Greatness, the podcast that explores the latest trends in marketing and public relations and highlights the most positively powerful brands and people who are making a difference in our world. And now your host, entrepreneur, marketing and public relations expert, advocate, spiritual explorer, mother, and founder of Olive Creative Strategies, Jennifer Borba von Stauffenberg. Welcome to Illuminate Greatness. I am so excited today to be meeting with Greg Bledsoe. He is a 24-time Emmy Award winner and 24 as of last week. He just won uh, one more Emmy Award and I'm excited to hear about that. And thank you so much for being here today. I have known Greg just for a few years. I met him actually on a segment set he was doing an interview with Jeremy Cecil Kira, who is an incredible artist who is living with autism and he is nonverbal on the spectrum and he discovered a gift of synesthesia. And so he paints these incredible aura paintings and we had shared the story with Greg and he came out to do a segment and it was literally a different level of journalism than I had experienced. And I knew it before I even saw the outcome of the segment. So you did such a beautiful job. Thank and you. you actually won an Emmy it for did. that segment yeah. as well. It, I, that's still one of my favorite stories. Me I mean, too. it's just, it's, uh, they're doing beautiful work and, and Chantel's mom is great. And, and yeah, so I, I, that's the one that sticks out and I've been doing this a long time. And so thousands of stories later, that one still sticks out as one of my favorites. Me too. So, and I didn't mention you're with NBC 739. I am. Yeah. With NBC 7. Yeah. I've been there for since 2001. So I've been there a long time. It's incredible. (laughs) Before we move on, I want to share real quickly that the story that you did with Jeremy syndicated and went to every major city throughout the United States. And you guys, it changed Jeremy's life. He actually had such a successful show. He ended up having as a new artist, 24 commissions That's plus so cool. he sold out the entire collection. So, so much of his success is dedicated to that story. And that's what I want to talk about today. Illuminating greatness is so fun and you have chosen this as a career. I'd love to hear from you about yeah. how you got started and what got you to where you are today? I started at the bottom. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, so I, I studied journalism in college uh, at the University of Colorado, and I moved out here to San Diego and kind of knew that I wanted to be a reporter someday and I wanted to tell stories, but I was going to spend a little bit of time in San Diego with some friends, and I started working at Trader Joe's. It'll but suck I suck you in, right? It, it, I, I mean, that's I the thing. I thought I was going to be here. World, yeah, right? I moved here, and I've never left. Well, I left once, but... Then I was back very quickly. So many people don't leave. I, I thought I was going to be here for nine months, and, and here we are 18 years later. Yeah, I, I was working for Trader Joe's, and I passed my resumes around town to the TV stations just in case, and I, and I got a call back from NBC about a writing position, and so I and that's where I started. I was a writer, and I uh, ran the teleprompter, and I would rip scripts, and I just kind of did whatever they, they asked me to do because I wanted to be part of the process, and I wanted to be in the room, and um, it just worked out from there, and I've, I've been there ever since and sort of... You know, worked my way up a, a little bit at a time, and it took a long time. So you mentioned you had an idea that you wanted to do it. Do you remember a time in your life when you made the decision that you were going to do yeah. journalism? Yeah. So I, I went into college in the business school at okay. the University of Colorado, which was just not a fit at all. I, I just thought that that's where I was, what I was supposed to do, and follow the, the steps. And, and I, I was one year into it, and I said, you know, this isn't for me. 
And I love to tell stories. And I don't remember how I first jumped into the journalism school, but I remember thinking, oh, this works, this fits. And so I, I started in the journalism school there as a sophomore and, and it just it just always felt right. And not because of any desire to ever be on TV or to necessarily be a, a news reporter in the, in the way that we always think of it, but just to tell people stories is what I wanted to do. And, and, and so that's what I get to do now. And it's just awesome every day. It's so incredible. After all these years, do you have any favorite stories that changed your life or changed your perspective? How long do you have? We could go for hours. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, gosh, so many. So now I anchor the morning show there, uh, in the which I love doing. Um, and part of what I love about that is, in addition to getting to be there every morning and just talk about the news of the day, it gives me the time afterwards to go out and do the stories that I choose and, and I don't have much of a deadline anymore. So it, it's, I've it's kind so of incredible. That's one of the things I love so much about the packages that you do. You are at the true essence of illuminating greatness. The way that you share the stories is so respectful and beautiful yeah. in a way that, I mean, it's evident why you have 24 Emmys. That alone is extraordinary, but it's one of my favorite things about your style. It's just so beautiful. Thank you. And, and I try and choose stories that I think are positive or, you know, and, and, and they're not always uplifting, you know, and there are certainly parts of them that aren't, but I feel like something that draws emotion and that is, and hopefully inspires people and isn't just the news that we hear every single day. And so, because now I get to choose my stories, I try and focus on, on stories like that. What are some of the favorite ones? Right. Okay. So, so now, so I, I, I tell mostly people stories and I mean, just over the last couple of years, I'm trying to think of a few that I interviewed a woman a few years ago who's 80 something years old and she does trapeze every day That's or, incredible. or a woman who uh, a couple months ago or last year, actually rather, um, had never met her brother and sister because she was adopted when she was little in Guam and she never knew who they were. And she uses a DNA kit and puts a message out on Facebook and she ends up finding them. And one of them lives in Chula Vista, like a mile away from her. Wow. And they'd lived by each other the whole time and never knew it. And you meet these people who always have something inspiring to tell you uh, that it's just, I mean, Jeremy's is one of my favorite stories as well. One this past year about uh, a couple young girls, one of them dances and the other one has a really rare disease where she's nonverbal and she's in a wheelchair most of the time. And the, the young dancer's mom is a dance instructor and they went to this other girl's family and said, we should teach her how to dance. And so they do. And now they do ballet together. And, and even though they can't, they can't talk to each other, but they have this friendship now that's just so inspiring and, and something that a lot, not a lot of other, other people would even understand how they communicate, but they do it through dance. And so anything like that, I feel like we're everybody we meet every day has a story to tell us. And we walk by those stories every single day. And so I, I, I think if we just sat somebody down here in a room, we could, in a few minutes, find out what their story is and then go tell it. You know, I mean, there are, there are 3 million people in this county. And so there are 3 million plus stories and we're just sort of scratching the surface. I'm doing a series now called Your Corner where we try to go to a different part of the county uh, almost every week. And we've done about 55, 60 of these stories. And so there are just a, a, a lot more to go. Wonderful. So can you tell me a little bit about what it's like to be in a newsroom every day, hearing regularly all of sometimes really bad news yeah. that's going on in the world? How do you manage your state with all that information coming at you? Yeah, we have to talk about things every day that people don't necessarily like to hear about. I feel like our role here, it's really important to keep people connected to their community and everything that's going on around them. And they want to know what's going on around them. Sometimes that's not the most pleasant news to hear about. It's part of our role, though, to make sure that we're covering 
the community. Um, I, my personal stories that I get to go out and tell, it's part of the reason that I try and focus on more positive messages because I feel like we need to be uplifted, but um, we need to cover the issues that, that affect the people in our community every day. And I think that's our responsibility. And, and I hope we do that. I'm surrounded by really talented people. We have a great investigative team. Yeah. We have really great reporters that are out there covering breaking news every day. And even though that's not necessarily what I do every day, the package that comes together at the end of the day. And I think what we put forward represents all of the issues affecting our community. I think we do it in a, in a good job in a really responsible way. And I'm, I'm proud of the people I work with. Awesome. Well, you should be. Yeah. I, but you know, I should say though, it's not always uplifting. Sorry to get back to the root no, of the question. Totally. It's, and, and that's probably something that you just deal with being in this business. And sometimes you might sort of develop a, a shield to be able to listen to all of that every day or have to talk about it. But again, I feel like some of those issues are important, even when they're not necessarily always the most positive parts of our community. Definitely. Well, it's certainly an important service and community. Thanks. How has news changed with everything online? How does a traditional news station stay in the game with all of these online shows popping yeah. up and independent news programming. What's different? It's changed so much. Yeah. So I've been there since 2001. It's changed a lot in the last 18 years. I haven't been there as long as some of the people I work with, but I think I've gotten to see a much different business now than it was 18 years ago in 2001. And it's been ups and downs. I think right now we're in a really good place. But when I started, digital was just in its infancy. I mean, we had a we had a, a web staff because we had a website, but it was it really just starting out. And then 2008-ish rolls around and the country's in a recession and newspapers are, unfortunately, a lot of newspapers in this country. I started we, my business. Yeah, I mean, it was just, it was a tough time. <laughs> it's a funny time to start a public relations. And we had layoffs at NBC that were really tough and, and a lot of good people had to be let go. And that was sort of the nature of the business at the time. And there was a lot of uncertainty of how local news was going to survive. Right. I think that we've sort of come out the other side of that right now. I and it's really agree. exciting to see because there's always going to be a need for people to understand and want to know what's going on in their community. And we, we do that better than anyone. And I don't mean just our station. I mean, just as an industry, it's really tough for a national company to come in and try and do what we do on a local level because we've been doing it for a long time. We're starting to figure out the digital part of it as well. And it's just exciting right now because we've started to sort of intertwine our digital world with our broadcast world. And, and you know, the lion's share of, of our audience is still broadcast, believe it or not, but the digital part of it is growing so much more. And so what was a, you know, maybe a two person web staff when I started 18 years ago is a much larger department. It's a much larger team. And it's not just them. Everybody who's out on the street every day for us is involved in the digital process as well. I mean, we're all, it's, it's more work for us probably than it used to be because we, we're not just feeding the broadcast mouth we're now we're you know we're, we're we're tweeting social media we're writing web articles we're you know we do a lot more um, and we try and repurpose it as much of our media as we can but it's i think it's really exciting to see what's happening now and and so i, I think we're kind of over the hump of what a lot of people were a little worried about 10 years ago it's just i think it's great absolutely where do you think it's headed what changes do you foresee coming down the pike Digital, like I said, is growing and, and it's fun because we're at this point now where everyone's being encouraged to kind of experiment and, and see what works. And, you know, we're doing podcasts and we're doing, you know, we have a great Padres podcast that's going on right now. Our Investigates team does a podcast. We're doing a lot more 
just sort of digital media that's sort of alternative to what our traditional broadcast is. So I think that's when we talk about the future, that's the future. And it gives you more freedom and flexibility, right? Because you have to be so creative to stay relevant. Yeah. And it can breathe. When we're talking about TV and broadcast, if we have a 30 minute newscast, I mean, things are, we basically, what we want to do is give you as much as we can in a short amount of time as we can. But when you start dealing with digital, like you and I right now sitting here having a conversation, we could talk as long as we want. You know, you have the ability to let things breathe and give them the time that you think they deserve. And there's not necessarily these, these hard, fast deadlines. And I love that. I love that if a story deserves more time that you might as well just give it more time. That said, it still needs to be interesting and, and, and people have to want to stick around. So, you know, we're always trying to keep people compelled, but I love digital. I think it's really fun and new and, and gosh, there's just a lot that we can still, still do with it. Awesome. Yeah. I think it is a lot of fun and I think it really just creates more avenues for you to share different types of information and package it differently. Since all of creative strategies is a public relations firm, I want to talk a little bit about how you work with public relations professionals and whether or not you do. Yeah, we do to a point. I mean, our job is to be, we're not anyone else's commercial. You know what I mean? We're not, we're not there to basically, at least in our newscast portion of what we do, but I get story pitches from PR companies all the time. And I don't just toss them away because they're from a PR company. I found great stories because there are always people stories hidden in there a lot of the time. And and it's funny to see the creative tactics that each email comes out trying to get your attention and see. um, And I do read through them and and I've definitely gotten stories from PR companies. Again, though, I I don't ever want to feel like I'm doing a commercial for someone else. I'm out there to find good stories that I think serve the community. And if somebody pitches me from a PR company, a story that I think does that, then I'm all in. Definitely. What are some of the things that really turn you off that cause you to just say delete or block? (laughs) Yeah. So I'll tell you what what happens when you show up to a story and then there are PR people there. And, And I'll use you as an example of the story that we did on Jeremy and you were great because I think that, yeah. There's and, such a well, fine line. There, there is. And I'm not just telling this, just using you as an example because you're here, but it, there's a, you, you kind of got to get out of the way and trust the people that, so if somebody pitches me a story and I show up and I do the story, I don't love when someone's hanging on my shoulder and telling me, oh, get that shot, get that shot. Make sure you ask them that question. I tell my team that they are not there to be in your way. They're yeah. there to support the client. So if they have food on their face, help yeah. your client get the food off their face, move the shoes. It drives me crazy because there's a pair of shoes in the corner of one of the shots yeah. in the segment that we did. And I always kick myself because I'm like, God, how come I didn't move that bag? I just didn't see it. Well, you know it. what? No, nobody at home probably noticed no, that. And and but- it's and it's real life. And, and we're not, from when I go to a story, I don't ever want to stage anything. You know, totally. I want, my, my job is to show what people actually do, what they actually sound like. I want to ask them questions mm-hmm. that, that I haven't given them ahead of time. So they've rehearsed their answers. I just want to sit and have a conversation with people. And that's any story I do, not just one where I'm working with a PR company. But when there are PR people there, sometimes they feel like it's part of their job to, to make you. sure that, to, <laughs> if not to manage me, to sort of manage the story. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because they have an expectation of what they want. And, and sometimes I think it's, and I, I understand it's probably hard for them to let go because this is their project or their client and they want to sort of manage the message that's getting out there. But what they have to understand if they're dealing with a legitimate journalist or, you know, then they just have to know that we're not there necessarily just to tell the message that they want told. We're there to tell 
the truth and tell a story. And so if they trust us, like you trusted me that day with Jeremy's story, then you don't have anything to worry about. Well, the outcome is so much better. I always tell our team when we're- It's more honest, right? Don't you think? Yeah. When we're pitching stories or when we're assisting at segments that our job is, of course, to represent our clients, but we have a second job that we are at least at all of really transparent about, which is that we're there to serve the media. And our job is to feed story ideas that will support you guys in creating award-winning segments or stories. And it's something that I always press upon them. You can share the idea, but then at the point, you have to let them use their expertise and creativity to make it even bigger. And I feel like the times when I step away and let the creative process happen, the outcome is so much more beautiful. If you trust the people that that you've brought in or that have come in to tell the stories, then you're okay. And, And nothing, if somebody is like, again, over my shoulder or trying to direct me in a way, then I sort of lose heart in the story, yeah. you know, and then it doesn't turn out, I think as good as it could be. Do you have any advice for those situations when you can see that a publicist is struggling specifically because the client is also being pushy and they're sort of delivering the hard message? What advice could you give to set it up Hmm. so that we can educate our clients better stepping into the segment opportunity to be a better subject, for example. Make sure that everyone's on the same page ahead of time. Yeah. Rather than showing, and and I've seen this, you know, where we have guests in on, on newscasts to talk about and and they'll show up thinking, Oh, well, five people are going to, are all going to talk. And, and, and maybe the producer is saying, no, that's, you know, maybe one person, or we have, this is how much time we have. We don't have 10 minutes. We have two minutes. And, and so from both ends, from both sides, just make sure that everybody's on the same page ahead of time and that everybody knows exactly what to expect when you walk in so that there are no surprises. And when you are reading pitches, tell me what makes a good pitch. How could somebody get your attention to share a story that you would want to share? Yeah, I would say pitch to the media that you're specifically targeting there. When you're talking to TV people, what are the visuals? And and also pitch to individuals. If you're pitching a story to me, I like to tell good people stories, you know, and, and I'm not, again, I'm not out to do a commercial for someone. I want to tell a good people story. If you know that, then pitch me a good people story. Tell me what the visuals are, you know, and, and you'll have more success that way. Develop relationships with people who you trust and who trust you. And that always leads to good things. Definitely. Aside from publicists, maybe trying to control situations on set, Are there other pitfalls that you're seeing that they should absolutely not do in terms of trying to set up a story? No, I mean, beyond what we just talked about, about, you know, making sure that the communication is good and that you're letting journalists do what journalists are supposed to do, which is tell the truth. Yeah. As long as everybody sort of knows their role, then I think, yeah, I think that that's it. Just be honest with each other. Definitely. And we just talked about publicists, but for businesses that are out there that are interested and getting in touch with the news to share a story. Do you have any suggestions for them? And do you have a preference whether an individual or an agency shares a story with you? So if you're talking about like how businesses can find their way into news coverage, mm-hmm. again, I understand they want publicity and, and our, our job is to tell stories, but business owners are real people. 
Business owners live in these neighborhoods. Everybody has business owners deal with the same issues that a lot of us are dealing with. If there's an issue, uh, a community issue that a business owner is dealing with, of course we want to talk to them, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's how they can share their story with us because, you know, again, we're not there to promote their business. We're there to tell the community's story and address the issues in the community. And so when a business owner falls into that category, then absolutely we want to talk to them. That's a good way for them to reach out to us to say, Hey, you know, I know you're doing a lot of coverage on this particular issue. This is something we deal with and, and, we're, you know, we're not necessarily here to promote our business, but we have a say in, in this issue and we have an opinion about it and it matters because it affects us. And I think you might want to talk to us. Absolutely. We touched on digital just for a moment. How much does social media play a role in what you're doing on a daily basis? Oh, a ton. Yeah. Now and, and more and more every single day. It's such a valuable tool. It, it takes more of our time. You know, it's just a new responsibility now that that's on the daily checklist. Um, but it's also it's such a great way to reach people because for the first time ever, it's a, the lines of communication are, are two way. You know, we get feedback from people and we get feedback instantly from people. Social media is what it is. And, you know, you, you walk into Twitter with, with just Caution. on guard because, <laughs> yeah, but it's it's also a great way to find stories, to communicate with people, for people to reach out to you, to see what the response is, because it's really tough in TV ratings to really see what people responded to. Well, why were the numbers this way, this day, and this way, another day? Was it a particular story? Was it this? Was it that? Whereas with social media, we can see, we know what people respond to. And and I think that's great. And I think it's great to communicate with people and for the community to feel like they have more of a voice and more of a direct line of communication with us as journalists that they can reach out and say, hey, I loved what you did here. This is an issue that affects me. Or, hey, did you know that you missed this part of the story, that there are these people over here who feel this way about it because we're always trying to go out and tell every side of the story. That's our goal, right? But if we don't talk to everyone, we want to know that. We want to know how everyone feels. And, and now there's a way for people to to reach out and talk to us without just shooting over an email or, or you know leaving a voice message. Definitely. I think that's one of the most interesting things about social media in the past. You'd only know about certain aspects of things that were going on, but now there's so much information. How do you guys filter through just so much. How do you choose what you're going to be talking about daily? I mean, yeah, we probably get hundreds of story pitches every day and and they go through, you know, there are people at the station whose job it is to kind of organize what's going on for the day. And we have a meeting every day. We have a morning editorial meeting every day. What time is that? Yeah. Well, okay. So by morning, I mean, most people's morning, I get into work at 3am, but I mean, when the, when the day people come in and they all sit around the table and talk about what's going on for the day and everyone has, so you're truly nocturnal. <sighs> yeah. Sometimes I wish I wasn't. I, I love my job. It two thirty wake up call is sometimes a little tough. But that makes me gag just thinking about it. I know. It. But but it's also nice to know that we're there when everyone else is starting their real day. Definitely. And we're kind of there to provide a service. And so you have to be there that early in the morning. And we have our producers get in even before that and and, and you're and part of people's ritual. I have been waiting for you know, in the waiting room for segments and I'll see people walk in to complain about a time change of a certain reporter (laughs) and just feel so emotional that you've ruined their coffee hour because they're always used to this person being on and now they're not. And what are they going to do? It's really (laughs) incredible. Well, it's nice that people feel that way that we're part of it because that's part of the goal is we want to feel like we're part of people's lives and, and their families in the morning. And, and totally. that, the, and that well, we, I felt emotional recently when Whitney retired. Yeah. I just felt like, <gasps> well, he's been that he had been there a long time era. and he's a part of a lot of people's morning and, and it, it just sort of been there 
for so long. For my entire career. Yeah. And too. Whitney Whitney is great. So, I mean, now now he finally gets to sleep in a little bit, but we miss so him. Nice. But I understand that connection. And I'm glad to hear that that connection is there because that's what we want. We want people to feel like we're part of their family, too, in the morning. Definitely. So do your kids understand what you do for a living? Well, I know that I have a one-year-old. She's not quite aware of it yet. (laughs) Yeah. I I have a, I have a four-year-old as well. I think he kind of gets it. So, I mean, he sees me on TV sometimes. We don't sit around and watch a lot of news as a family at four years old, but there'd be a lot of explaining that would have to go on after that. But he sees me sometimes and he gets it. And you know, it's actually, he, even at four years old, he seems to have some of the same interests I do because he asks to watch stories and he'll ask to watch my stories. And he, there's one of my favorite reporters and someone I learned from for a long time is a guy named Steve Hartman. And, uh, and he's one of the best storytellers in the country. And my son asks to watch his stories before he goes to bed. And sometimes my wife will say, do you want to watch a dad ass story or a Steve Hartman story? He said, Steve Hartman story for sure. (laughs) So (laughs) So I check my ego at the bedroom door. So I love that. But yeah, we don't sit around as a family and watch a lot of newscasts. Well, of course. But but yeah, most of the time I have a five-year-old as well. And you shudder when it's accidentally left on because some of what's happening in the world is just so difficult to hear. Yeah. um, And just far beyond what they should have in their ears. So you are definitely a celebrity here in San Diego. How does that impact your daily life? Oh gosh. I don't know if I'd go that far. It's true. Um, I've been with you when I've seen people respond to what you do for the community. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a pretty minimal level, I would say. And, and when people do recognize you or come up and talk to you, I love it. I think it's so cool because they want, you're, you're having an impact. You're part of their day. They like the story you did. And, and, and I, I really love talking to people. I like talking anyways, and, and, and just, you know, I, I'm a talker. And so if, if someone's in the grocery store and they, and they walk up and say, we watch you every morning, then it's just, it's an icebreaker. And then you get to find out about them and what's going on in their life. And so I really like that part of, again, I, I never got into this to be on TV. I wanted to tell stories, but it's really nice to feel like your work is valued. And when people come up and tell you that in person, it's really, I, it that feels good. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I love when people are confident enough to actually come forward and express themselves and share how you've impacted them because it you're used to it being one way and so mm-hmm. having the opportunity to engage is really special yeah there's never anyone on the other side of that camera we, I, <laughs> I picture it you know and I, I try and picture people up with their kids starting their day in the morning and but it is nice when you actually get to meet people face to face who who watch you every morning definitely so you've been doing this for a long time mm-hmm. what is one of the coolest things that you've gotten to do because part of this is that you get access to a lot of really cool things as well as if it's part of covering the story we do we're not out taking free tickets to go places but but yeah you get you get to do do as part of covering the story you you get you get a front row seat uh figuratively speaking to a lot of things that are of interest to people i got to go out on an aircraft carrier uh one time overnight to cover it was the uss ronald reagan before it it homeported here for the first time and we got to go out and and watch training operations and tell stories about what was going on in the ship and which is so fun for us and such a once in a lifetime sort of thing. But also I feel like it takes people at home inside of those places that they may not ever be able to go. People who say, I wonder what it's like in the dining hall on an aircraft carrier at Christmas time, you know, and the, and these 19 and 20 year old kids who are away from their home and their families for Christmas, I wonder what they're doing. And, and we have an opportunity to show them that and to kind of bring people in. So it's fun for us, but I think it's also, we're providing a service because we can take people places that they wouldn't otherwise be able to go. I think one of my coolest experiences ever is I went to cover the Miramar air show and they, you know, we get to go up in some of the planes and show people, Hey, 
you're going to come and see this from the ground. You want to check this out. We don't get to see these military planes in action all that much. And I showed up and they were doing some ride-alongs in some of the, the jets, but everything was already booked up for the day. And they said, well, you know, there's this helicopter you can go and That's the only thing left that's still going up. And I said, that's fine. I'll go open that. And it was the Red Bull helicopter Ooh. that does the, did flips and dives. And, wow. I, and I, I, I feel like I was going to throw up for the next two days after that. But it was so fun. It was really... So you get to do some things and you get to talk to people. And talking to... I mean, I've interviewed... We're local news, so we don't do a lot of this, but I've had a chance to interview some movie stars along the way. Matthew McConaughey at one point was really cool. And, and But I tell you honestly, my favorite interviews are regular people who just have amazing stories to tell. And, and getting to talk to them is much better to me than talking to somebody who's famous that we've seen on TV and get five minutes with them to ask them a few of the same questions that everybody else is asking them. I'd rather talk to, to Joe next door. That's so cool. Yeah. Do you ever sit and think about the impact that you make? I mean, you truly are illuminating greatness in ordinary people's lives all the time. Have you had any really moving experiences? I know, for example, Jeremy, you changed his life by sharing his story. Yeah. And that's something to be really proud of. Yeah. I mean, a number of times there have been stories that affect me personally. There was one one day where the Make-A-Wish Foundation had called me the night before and said, hey, we have a pretty good story you might be interested in, uh, but it's short notice. Um, can you come tomorrow? And this is a tough story to talk about, so I'm sorry, I don't want to be a total downer here. But there was a young girl who was sort of near the end and her parents um, wanted a wish for her and they wished for a song. They wanted someone to write a song. And so there's a guy, Steve Voss, who's now the mayor of Poway, but he's also a Grammy award-winning musician and, and he was going to write this song. And so they said, can you go to the studio tomorrow, watch Steve record this song and then come and he's going to go play it for the family in their house. And I said, absolutely. You know, and, and uh, on my way to go talk to Steve, the Make-A-Wish people called and said she passed overnight. And I said, we don't need to do this story. Give them their space. Well, you know, we can do it another time or never do it at all. I mean, that's the last thing we want to do is uh, intrude on anything like that. And they called me back 10 minutes later and they said, you know, they, they want you to come over today. And I went to Steve and, and he recorded the song and then he went over to their house and I went with him and, and there were probably eight of us in the room and uh, they had lost their daughter literally hours earlier. And everyone in that room cried while he played the song for the family. And it was one of the most difficult things that I've ever had to do, but it was also one of the most meaningful. And, and I use that story as a lesson when I talk to kids and journalists, because I say, be human, you know, it's okay to to step back and not get the story. You know, you can say no, you know, or be okay when people say no to you. We didn't have to do that that day. And and we did. And it just, it was powerful. And the family was so appreciative. And it was something that the family thought that showing other people what they were going through might help somebody else, Mm. you know? And so, and so I I feel like there are those stories that, that have meaning for other people. And, And that was, gosh, that one sticks out more than almost any other over the last 18 years, I think. I can see why. So you touched on it about being human, and I think that is such a beautiful reminder. What are some other things, um, some other lessons that you could share with aspiring journalists and reporters that you feel have really carried you through a successful career? Sure. I mean, or or just anyone, not just aspiring. I mean, absolutely. I mean, young people in general or anyone. One thing I always tell them is just say yes. You know, I mean, I did almost every job at our station before I ended up where I am now. And I, I ran the teleprompter. I ripped scripts. I, I, I would work on my days off sometimes to go and find a story. And I never, I never wanted to say no for a few different reasons. One, I wanted to learn about our business, but two, when you eventually get the job that you really wanted all, all along, 
when you've done a lot of the other jobs that the people around you have, then you know what they do every day. You can empathize. You work together better. You can communicate better with the people that you're with. I love the fact that that I've done a lot of the different jobs of the people I work with because now I know what they're going through. I know their jobs aren't easy and, and what they have to deal with every day. So I tell kids, just say yes. You know, just because you want to do job A, don't say no to job B, C, D, E. You know, it's, it's because it'll all help you along the way. And then two, I mean, exactly what I said earlier is just be human in it because these aren't characters in our 30 minute TV shows where I tell young reporters, it's really easy to get wrapped up in the fact that you have a deadline and you need to talk to somebody about such and such. And, and I tell them, just remember, you're talking to people a lot of the time on what's one of the worst days of their life and they don't know you and you're sticking a camera in their face and you're asking them questions. How would you feel if you were in that situation, if it were your family, you know, and just keep that in mind and you'll be a better journalist and you'll be a better person probably. So powerful to respect that. It's something I think so many people don't think about. And there is the joy of telling the great stories. But like you said, some of the hardest days, I think uh, it's just a powerful lesson. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing these words of wisdom and for sharing your story. I'm so grateful to you for the service that you provide our community. And you certainly are extraordinarily talented and we're lucky to have you here in San Diego. I'm lucky to be here in San Diego. Thank you. I'll I'll, I'll stay here as long as the city will have me. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Jen. Thank you. Interested in receiving free marketing and public relations resources? Visit IlluminateGreatness.com and subscribe to our newsletter to receive valuable weekly content that will inspire you and help you grow your business. That's IlluminateGreatness.com. Thank you for listening to the Illuminate Greatness podcast brought to you by Olive Creative Strategies.